Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. It's the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Sam. You can find me at the Justice League Universe Podcast at JLU Podcast. Alrighty. And today we're talking about Minute 123 of Dawn of Justice, which is going to start with Silas Stone saying uh, U.S. government object 61982 is successfully activated. And then a minute's going to end with Lois Lane asking for a chopper to there, which is Gotham City, or that bat signal. Uh, so let's, uh, we'll say that for when we get there, but let's talk about this U.S. government object 61982. Um, obviously, this is, this is a date, right? This Doi. Is, but what date is it? Because Cyborg appeared in 1980 already. And mother boxes have been around since the seventies, so it was. I already I looked it up a long time ago. Um, now correct me if I'm wrong. It was. It's cyborgs. F- oh, it's him being introduced as a Teen Titan member. Was it not? See, like George Perez's like gold cyborg. Yeah, because it says like, you know, he he had his like first appearance in the 1980 um but it, is there an is there a date is there a, is there an issue number uh, what was you know? it was like an insert it says yeah. this character blah, 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 first appears in a special insert in dc comics presents number 26 october 1980 which means that he could have been part of the teen titans actually in um so i guess let's no, i think i think 82 was new teen titans from George Perez that he ported over and ported over that he did all that stuff with the, uh, you know, disco Nightwing and all that stuff. And, uh, mm-hmm. cyborg wasn't introduced until a little bit after that. So you're saying that that date could have actually been like when he's actually in the teen Titans, yeah, right? Like okay. him on the roster. Okay. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I looked it up a while ago, but someone's going to tell me I'm wrong. Sam. <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't have any particular insight on this. Although, like sometimes the date connections might not always be to DC lore. They could also be just like personal Easter eggs for like the filmmakers or something. So, like maybe Zack Snyder has a kid that was born on six nineteen eighty two, or maybe Chris Terrio does, or you know, it could be like personal things too. Not always yeah. directly for DC. Even though DC fans always hope for it to be DC related, but I mean, I definitely don't keep track of. How many kids does he have? He has like seven, right? Like eight, seven or eight kids, yeah. Like, um, do So when you say it's a date, do you mean it's a date like from the filmmaker's perspective as an Easter egg, or do you mean that it's a date like also in the universe of the movie? Because to me, I don't think they would actually name an object just by the date. Like, even if you had the date as part of a label, you would add something else to it, like because uh, you might process more than one object in a single day. Like, if you have any kind of like collection or you know excavation or something it's very very common that you would have a lot of objects in the same day so to me and also just as a researcher we have to like catalog things in very precise ways and i don't think anybody would actually catalog it just with a date you'd have you'd have you might have a date as the stem and then you would have additional digits that mean other things and then you might have act you know uh 
letters that mean the person who filed it and like that kind of stuff. Yeah. What was Megatron's? He had a, a designation. NBE1. Yeah. Non-biological entity. One. And it's like the first one. one. So yeah. like that was like, you know, Roswell or whatever. Yeah. So No, you can't, you can't name something the date you found it. What do you think the spaceship from in Roswell was named after? Like, oh, that's a Roswell spaceship. R, RWSP1. What does that even mean? <laughs> Area 51. I don't know. Aliens. What does WSP mean? Roswell space... Ship. RSW RWSP hyphen one and that's too much. You can't, you can just <laughs> flying saucer. I would just call it Ross. Ross? Yeah. Just name yo. Go you check name it Ross. a person. Maybe. Oh yeah. man, that's what the alien should have been called when it crash landed here. Instead of the, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason I wanted to bring it up because like people online will nitpick all kinds of stuff. So like I've actually seen people online who say, uh, oh. BVS and Wonder Woman are in conflict with one another because BVS said that the mother box was found in 1982, but in Wonder Woman they say they're going to go find it in Europe, you know, in like 1918. And I'm like, that is not a like movie mistake. It's definitely nothing to get mad about because you're just assuming that 82 means it was found in 1982. It's like, no, that's just an object label. We don't know what it actually means. Oh, so... I didn't even think about it being found, like the actual yeah, no. mother box being found. I honestly just took it as... Oh, that's a date. That's that. I thought it was, you know, that's Cyborg's first appearance. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think it since it has the format of a date, I think it could definitely be like an Easter egg for the audience, so it could have a connection to something. But like in the universe, I'm assuming this is not a date. It's definitely not the date that it's found. So like, I think in Wonder Woman, if they say at the end, you know, the bonus scene or whatever, we're gonna go find this mother box thing, that is the in canon explanation of how things happened this little object label does not, like, disprove the bonus scene of Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Unless it took them till the 80s to actually find it, but, you know, like, no, I think it's just, like... (laughs) That's true. It's just, just like, a a UCN, like, it's just a a number code that, from the outside... It's amazing what people can complain about online, though. (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking beyond this podcast. It's like, there's... Not you guys, yeah, not you guys. Yeah, no, 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 just, like... Even outside of Batman v Superman, like just the things people can complain about, uh, is uh, sometimes, man. Sometimes you gotta kill that internet. (laughs) Yeah, unplug it. Where's Batgirl when you need her? But like, yeah, it's just you know, it's not a date Uh, unless something in Wonder Woman two is like, oh yeah, there's you know, we're still gonna be hinting at. I don't know things that are going to happen in the future and like the mother box like then we can come back to this and be like all right it was a date but no no one names anything a date like you can't do that <laughs> it doesn't that's mm-hmm. not what you do um I don't know um I don't know what you know it's just a number and it's like sometimes you just got to come up with a number and it's like uh, just use this date and it's like all right cool let's go on because the, the point of this movie when you leave is not to go, yo, do you know that that mother box was named that date? And it's like, yeah, but are we going to talk about how Superman had a, this whole revelation of his character and then had to sacrifice himself? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's probably more important, right? It's like, who cares what, <laughs> what the number is? Um, mm-hmm. But okay, it, hang on. So, like, I guess, like, the initial first appearance of Cyborg was from the DC Comics Presents, yeah, number 26. Yeah, yeah. That was from the 80s. But his, in the Teen Titans, that was in June of 82. That was, it was like a four-part, yeah, it was a four-part series. It was Tales of the, 
Tales of the Titan. Um, so it was June 18th. It was a miniseries, yeah. It was Cyborg's miniseries. Um, it wasn't gold Cyborg, though. It was a uh, headband. Yeah. And, and, you know, he had thighs. Yeah, it was like... Uh, he wasn't even destroyed, like, physically. It was just like, hey, I'm, I got these Cyborg gym clothes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. But yeah, it was in June, so there's the 6th. I don't know what day the 19th was, if it was a Wednesday. Hey, cool. Uh, it was a Saturday. Was I just sat- looked it up. Right. Hey, the kids <laughs> were buying comics on Saturdays in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- uh, this, this mother box thing is always, um, for some reason, it's the, the, the death perception, the force perspective, it always messed with me. Because I kept thinking that this mother box was massive and that it was sitting like on the ground. But it's taken me. It takes. It always takes me a while to to register in my mind because I don't see it right away. But that it's sitting on a table and it's actually, you know, not that big. But I, you know, for the longest time I kept thinking like this mother box is massive. It's like sitting on the ground, <laughs> but it's not. It's up on this table. So when it actually, yeah, when it starts, excuse me, when it starts moving, it's like, I'm like, did it shrink and then get bigger again? <laughs> but it's like, no. It's just that's the size of it and. um yeah, and then we we get right into it. It like starts creating cyborg, like his body. Now Silas says something where he's like suspending all normal procedures of this. Did he just was just like I'm just gonna put this box on this table and see what happens? I was I mean obviously there's no way of knowing like what his thought process was before the activation of the box, but like mm-hmm. can we try to narrow it down to something? I guess like it seems yeah it seems reasonable that he must have had some sort of inkling that this mother box has like regenerative powers or something like that and which it does so he's like correct I don't know how he would have known that but that's not for us to know that's just all kinds of Silas Stone backstory but for me I don't think he would just randomly grab something off the shelf and think this is going to save my son's life exactly I think he must have had some sort of evidence that it's able to create life or it's able to something like the sustain life or something. And then he's like, okay, if I could get it to activate, it might just go to work, you know? So he had to have had some sort of little bit of, you know, hint of of its power. Yeah. I thought we were, I thought it had activated once before, right? When? I always had the impression like where he was like, um, I, I don't know. I, was it in justice league or something? Like I always felt like, this is this thing has activated before, and it was it was a matter of getting it to activate once more. No, Damn. yeah. Well, this is where it gets a little bit confusing with Justice League because I think in Justice League, Cyborg says like they found this object, you know, after World War One, which matches up with World with Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says like it just lay dormant until Superman died, and then it started going crazy. Um, now. That seems like that doesn't match with this because obviously this, you know, mother box activated before Superman's death because we're watching it happen right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but Vic Stone in Justice League is not necessarily wrong because he's, I think he says it like went crazy when Superman died. That could be true and it could also be true that Silas Stone activated it prior to Superman dying. Like, I don't yeah. think Vic Stone says, and that was the first time it ever did anything. Yeah. Um, and even if Vic Stone said that, it could just be that Vic is wrong. He might just not actually have all the information about, like, you know, what happened. Yeah. Well, I could, you know, you could call it the night that Superman died and, like, 
yeah, a lot of things happened that night, but the most important thing is that Superman died that night. Now, it might not have activated right when he died, but, like, it activated around the time that he did. So, it's like, you, it, it, it's, it's not like, from a certain point of view, like, mm-hmm. it activated during that time when he died two years ago or whatever it was, you know? Oh, like, so. it, oh, oh, yeah, not speaking specifically about, like, boom, boom, the same night. It could just mean, like, around the time yeah. of Superman's death, that's when this thing started coming. Yeah, because yeah, I, would, I would associate all this lightning that's going around in Scout Ship as, like, oh, yeah, that happened the night that Superman died, you know? didn't it was not because he died it, oh, was, it was just like well i mean i think it was just because the ship had to draw power to create doomsday yeah yeah but you know what i'm saying right like this this uh what this is like this third and final act of dawn of justice mm-hmm. is for the people inside the universe like they remember it as the day that superman died yeah spoiler but like but do we but do we know when this uh video footage was taken do you remember from lex's files was it like several months ago everything was all like the files were all uploaded in june yeah so it's you know it's it's months separated from superman's birth uh, death at least but what i'm saying is like i don't see the value in nitpicking that especially when nothing precludes the possibility that this thing created cyborg and then later it might have also lit up after superman died those could both be true yeah i agree i think I think it just like lit up in the red room here because it, I don't know, it found a, a suitable host. Um, it just found like a source to uh, the mother boxes, you know, just flowing energy itself. So it's like, oh, uh, my energy needs to be used on this thing. I don't know. It makes it seem like the mother box is like a good guy where it's like, oh, I got to stop this thing from dying. But it's, you know, a machine. It's it, It's just... It's just energy that, you know, it doesn't have a mind. It doesn't have a conscious. It's, it just mm-hmm. goes and it just activates. I don't know. And Silas does get really intrigued with, like, the possibilities of the mother boxes because in Justice League, he's really still kind of excited. Like, I'd like to try some more things with the, that mother box. Or, or he calls it a different name or yeah. whatever. But um, he still would like to try some more things with it because he was, you know, the scientific side of him was really impressed with what it did. You know, it's like she doesn't open a file. She just clicks on the cyborg thing. What if it's just live feed? You know, what if what if that is just a straight up live feed camera to Star Labs? You know, that could always be like, oh, this mother box is going crazy because you're cooking up a, you know, a behemoth in the in the basement. Like, <laughs> yeah, like if it's a live feed, like no duh, the mother box is gonna go crazy because you're messing with Kryptonian technology. Like, but there's some, there's some cuts though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, uh, like there, there's a yeah, span of time. It's like, hours. like, yeah. Okay. I think the timestamp maybe starts at like eight and goes to like one or two in the morning, I think. Mm-hmm. Or something like it's that. like one. Yeah. I don't know if it's like, that's how long the video is running or yeah, exactly. if it's saying one Oh five AM, yeah. but, um, alrighty then. So, um, oops, just totally closed the video. Take it away, Nate. <laughs> um, so, like, we get the mother box actually interacting with the, uh, you know, almost uh, just the body, uh, torso. And um, honestly, my favorite thing about it was, like, Victor waking up and having those screams of, like, agony and pain. That yeah. is so uncomfortable, but in, like, the all the best ways possible. Like, I feel, I can, 
I can feel the the pain coming off of him. And mm-hmm. um, again, I mean, Ray Fisher is just. I think I think he's an amazing actor. Um, just yeah. from these little bits of the dude just screams in this minute, and it's like I believe that. Yeah, that guy's <laughs> like his whole body is being reconstructed, and something's getting you know wires and stuff are just getting poured into him. It sounds like that's actually what's happening. Uh, Injustice mm-hmm. League, the dude had such subtle lines of dialogue, but like, you know, and, and more than half of his face was covered by CGI, but he was still able to deliver, you know, the the nonverbal acting and the verbal acting in such a really great way that I believe that this character right now on this, you know, smart board is being tortured. Yeah, I can't even, I can't imagine what it's like to you know, not only get all the all the nerves in your body to start working again, like simultaneously, but also installing the the internet in your body. Yeah. Like, like, there's so many things that are that mm-hmm. are coming into play of like your 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 comatose body. Like, hey, guess what? Get ready, jump start. Yeah, yeah, this is happening right now. So for mm-hmm. for something to to leach onto your spinal cord and to start going, hey, this is going to be a part of you now. Like. It has to be painful. There's no way around it. Like you think he was like like comatose through this. Like he wasn't. You know, he's not. Obviously, he's not conscious. You know, just like the upper torso of him. He's just. Yeah, comatose would be the best way right? to put it because like, like the body is on support. Wake up from a comatose. Yeah, like, with just wires coming into you. Yeah, like, and and then like a rush of, a rush internet. of <laughs> physical, uh, you know, physical nerves that are that are firing off neurons and. And then, but also like data, data and, and the power of a mother box that just becomes part of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, that is incredible. And, 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 you know, what we're seeing here in this minute um, comes into question when we, when we get to Justice League minute, because that mother box is him. He is that mother box. He's a, he's mm-hmm. shared. He's a part of it. Yeah. But that mother box is his body. Yeah. So, yeah. So we'll have to we'll have to come to that when we when we get to just sleep uh, minute, but um, right. um but yeah that, that it's just I it's incredible it's incredible and I, I'm so proud of Ray Fisher and like I'm so happy that he is cyborg he's he, like you know he's he's gonna be on True Detective season three now like he's I've never watched any of that show um I'm never either but you know hey you're on HBO television that's that's awesome yeah you know that's that's mm-hmm. a you know he's Zack Snyder started this guy's career. Did he? Mm-hmm. Just like... I think he was doing theater and stuff yeah, before. Yeah, he was all like Broadway. So. Yeah. Not like Broadway, but yeah, he was theater kid, you know? Right. So that's amazing. Yeah. I was just going to reiterate, I think the, the yelling was just really, really effective, really good acting. And it's not easy to, like, yell in acting. It's really easy. It Like, if you're not careful, you just look like an actor who's yelling. Yeah instead of like making it really realistic and believable and stuff. But his is really believable, it's amazing. And I think actually this movie should get credit for some really good yelling. Cause like Superman has some spots where he has really good like aggressive like sounds and stuff. And uh, I love Wonder Woman's like warrior cries when she like leaps into action, she has some awesome ones. So I, I give this movie high marks for its yelling and screaming. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, even even Man of Steel had some good yelling. I mean, mm-hmm. where's yep. the codex? Like that's <laughs> like I said, yep. Michael Shannon is you know top yeller, and mm-hmm. not old yeller. Not to be top. confused with old yeller. Don't right. don't go down that route, kids. Um, 
<laughs> both pass away, so it's all good. Anyways, uh, <laughs> um, so after Diana has like this kind of, I need to, I need to think about what I just watched, kind of thing. Um, we skip on over to Gotham City, where it is thundering. It's it's raining. It's good old Gotham environment. We get the beautiful bat signal in the sky and the beautiful uh, armor-clad Batman waiting for the Superman to show up. Um, mm-hmm. th- what a what an incredible shot, right? Like, just yeah, amazing work good by Larry Fong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, I'm not like the the biggest fan of armored Batman, but it still looks fantastic at this shot here. I mean, him looking up at the bat signal, the rain doesn't look like it's, you know, too much. It's just all, it's, it's just all there. Um, so, uh, do do you have anything about armored Batman? No, I don't. Uh, Sam, I don't know if you have any comments about armored Batman. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, uh, I agree the shot is just really well composed to a great use of, like, foreground and background and, like, the rule of thirds and stuff. Um, and I also think that dramatically they're they're building up to the fight and they're using the signal as, you know, obviously this, like, call to the fight. And that was set up earlier in the movie. And so now, like, it's building up to that payoff of it bringing Superman and Batman together. But just even visually, they're just trying to ramp up to the arrival so, because it's not just that we see the bat signal, we see Batman looking at the bat signal. So he's like directing our attention to it, and we know what it means to see that bat signal in the sky. And ironically, it's calling Superman instead of Batman. And then at the end of this minute, Lois will also direct our attention to it. Like, there's the bat signal, that's where I'm going. And what she's really saying is, like, this is where the audience's attention is. Like, we're all anticipating what's about to happen right over there. So for me, it's just like a visual way of like ramping up to what's about to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, like, because Perry White is talking to Lois Lane, who's like, I need to go there. I need it. Like, that's where we need to be. And then like, literally the bigger threat is like right behind them, just sparking away. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like, I understand that we're trying to do this fight right now, but it's like, do we not notice that thing in the background? Like, and that's, that's these characters distraction is that mm-hmm. is that and, and Batman included is like you guys are so worried about taking down the Superman that you're letting that thing happen behind you guys and it's like it's so literally there that we're letting like like I think that's awesome it's just like are we not mm-hmm. going to worry about this thing you know because mm-hmm. I think that's just awesome Even from an audience point of view we're not supposed to but like as an audience member, I'm like, yo, that thing is shooting like, lightning. Yeah, in universe, you like, should be, like, that's your entire focus. Because you don't know that there's, you know, Lex Luthor plotted a, a fight between Superman and Batman. You just, one, why aren't the people in the Daily Planet, like, hardcore evacuating right now? Didn't they already go through, like, something very similar <laughs> to this? And it was like, yeah, hey, maybe if something, you know, oh, crap, ground's starting to shake. All right, everybody, out of the building. Like, we know the drill. Like, we've Jenny done this. was like, uh, something's happening downtown. Jenny was like, yeah, something's happening at the ship. Like, you see that? It's like, no, Jenny, you get out. Like, go. You've already been through this. You almost died, girl. Come on. It almost looks like it's happening, like, that the Daily Planet is stationed right outside. It does. The, the scout ship. As if, <laughs> like, they're, like, right there. And it's like, hmm. are you there? Are you? Do you get to look at the scout ship every day? Like maybe. 
no thanks. <laughs> yeah, just a constant reminder of what happened. Especially like if Metropolis is like this sea of of buildings, you yeah. know, that we saw in Man of Steel. It's like, which makes sense. Like I, I believe the scale of Metropolis and Man of Steel, but then you're telling me like you know the Daily Planet is right next to that thing. I don't. Hold on, that I wouldn't want to work there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to work there. But I mean, I I think it's probably really close by. I think it's close by. I, you know, I'm I'm okay with that. There's no. I'm just saying, like, that's too close. <laughs> that's too close for for people to be like, oh, something's happening downtown. Like, it's happening outside the window, lady. Yeah. <laughs> I don't necessarily understand um, the location of heliports when you get to big buildings like this. Mm-hmm. Um, she says, call the heliport. Like, get me a chopper, and he said, you know, put it on the roof or whatever. Like, are they, like, calling, like, the helicopter leasing company? Is like, hey, I need I need to rent a helicopter and then put it on the roof of the Daily Planet? Or, like, hey, the helicopter's already on the roof of the Daily Planet. We just need to get it gassed up and going and then go put it on the roof of the bat signal. No. I, I figured they were calling in a, a helicopter, and they were saying have it pick you up here instead of wherever else they might do it is how I took it. Mm -hmm. And I figured that they have a, the daily planet has a company that they just work with all the time for helicopters whenever they need it for emergencies or news coverage or weather coverage or whatever. Okay. So normally a daily planet employee that needed a helicopter would actually like call the heliport and Mm -hmm. go somewhere else to get on the helicopter. They'd be like, go like a, like a a air zone. What is that called? Uh, Airstrip. Yeah, like, like, a, would go like to an the, actual helipad. Yeah, you'd go to the executive airport where all the helicopters are or whatever. So. Probably, it's probably closer. It's probably like, oh, here, just go to that empty field where we usually park them or we usually get them to touch down, and then you can, like, get up on yeah. there. But he was like, you know what? It's such an emergency. Just put it on the goddamn roof. Like, here. Like, put it, like, call the heliport and tell them to just yeah. bring me a chopper. I right, know it's right just here. a bunch of AC units and gravel up there, but just put it on there, and, you know, it's uh, be a lot quicker. Yeah. So okay. I feel like that's what they did. I think I was just under yeah. the assumption that there was always a helicopter on the roof of the Daily Planet. There probably should. I think there's Maybe, probably yeah, yeah. I mean, Lexus helicopters. I mean, they don't have the globe up there, so might as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. The I like the callback to when he yelled coach. So, like, she had that request before, and he ended up approving it. And then, like, as she left, he yelled coach after her. And then this time he yells, like, the roof. Yeah. So I just like the parallelism of their interaction. Larry Fishburne. I mean, like he's 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 an amazing Perry White. He gets his point across, um, and you know what? He knows that Lois Lane and Superman are a thing, and he. Uh, you know it. Yeah, I know it. I know it, and I'm pretty sure he can figure it out that Clark and Superman are the same guy. You know, he just doesn't like to tell anybody. Maybe he just doesn't like to <laughs> think about it. I, but the look on his face, where she's like, you know, it's not for a story. It's yeah, you're right, because you know your boyfriend's spaceship is freaking out, and obviously the bat signal's going haywire. There's probably going to be something with Batman and, and Superman now. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, it's Perry White. I believe you. Yeah, I, I believe that theory. Um, I do want to give a quick correction. There's a helipad signal underneath this helicopter. On the roof. Yeah, on the roof. So it's like you just normally park it like on the does roof. Does it cost money? Does it cost more money to actually send it to like a like an airfield, or is it free if you just park it on the roof of the building? I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. The, I I really like the interaction between Perry and Lois though. Like I feel like 
it's been building since Man of Steel, and then in this movie, the relationship they have between them. I really like that relationship, and I like both of the characters. And this movie, it's only like 15 seconds or something like that, but to me, it has a lot of emotional weight to it and a lot of depth to those characters and their, how they have interacted with each other and the trust that they have between each other yeah. and how like concerned Lois is and stuff. And for me, like moments like this... I get a lot out of, and it makes me really love Batman v Superman a lot. And I feel like other people, they just aren't getting that out of it. They're just like, what? That was 15 seconds. She just asked for a helicopter. Like, like I feel like other people are like, I need a whole scene to like develop the whole emotion and everything out of it, which is fine. But for me, it's like not every movie has to be that format where every emotional beat has like a whole four minutes of development for it. For me, it's like, no, I can... I've gotten to know these characters and their relationship, and you can drop me in in 15 seconds, and the actors are so good, and the directing is good, I can get emotional resonance out of it, even though it's less than one minute long. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Especially this far, and like with it being a sequel and everything, you can... You can you can probably overwork it if you did try to do like a two-minute thing, like, okay, you want like a four-minute scene of like, so you can say that it was character development? Like, you can you can accidentally overwork that and it could be mm-hmm. too much. Like sometimes less is more. And sometimes a quick little back and forth between Perry and Lois is one, something you expect from the two characters, which fits into their, their character type. So it works. And two, like that's all you need. Like you need the quick banter and then like you, some nonverbal acting and boom, like you're sold. Mm-hmm. Like that's the perfect amount. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, you you don't always need two minutes, and you don't always need fifteen seconds. Maybe you need more. Maybe you need less. It's all situational. But we're dealing with a sequel here, so I mean, if you haven't caught on by now, like, how, what more do you need? It's true. Mm-hmm. And I've always taken Perry White to be, you know, especially in the Daily Planet setting, he's like the father figure, and we've gotten that, especially after you know Man of Steel, exactly. with them arguing about the story of this mm-hmm. this alien who's yeah. who's hiding in plain sight kind of thing it's like they she got suspended from work and and all that and they had this this kind of tussle between employee and manager like if that wasn't enough you still looking for that so i don't know but yeah it's it's perfect just the way it is like and and it's good to it's good to revisit those uh, in a way where it's like, okay, we, we get something, we get what's logical about like, okay, she's asking Perry for, she needs to get to Gotham. She's got to talk to Perry. It's not because of, it's not for a story. And he understands that like good, good touching of, of, of a base of like, you know, like, all right, let's, let's, we have these characters for a reason. We have this world set up for a reason. Like this just makes sense as far as writing goes. And it, and it just works out so well. Um, and it perfectly explains why Lois Lane will end up in Gotham City for the right reasons for the later part of this film. So it all just works together, you know? Um, and so the helicopter guy, he's like, oh, where are we headed? (laughs) She points to the bat signal and she says there, and that's where we're headed. And that's where we see again, our armor clad Batman staring out into the skies with those beautiful led lights <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i love that mm-hmm. and i love that huge gash in his like f- the helmet oh yeah i think that is just right through the eyes right through the eye just the one eye really 
Yeah, what was that? Um, what do you think? That's like a no. I don't know. That's this is reaching for barrels of hay or whatever that phrase is. Uh, straws grasping at straws. That's grasping it. at um, straws. You remember in three hundred. Um, there was a point where Leonidas was in battle and uh, one of these big hulking behemoth things um, took his blade and like cut down the um, the helmet of Leonidas and it gave him a scar or, you know, it gave him something on his eye. But like it did a whole shink like on the metal thing. We're talking it, about Leonidas or are we talking about the other guy? Faramir? No, he lost his eye to something. It doesn't show how he lost his eye. Okay. Um, yeah, Leonidas had like... He looked up and like the guy, like the big dude, mm-hmm. like, chopped and it went down. So I don't know. Maybe Snyder just likes uh, making used armor, used armor, gashes and armor, big yeah. old scratches. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Anakin Skywalker eye. So this is yeah, because this has been used. I think we talked about this. Or, like this armor has been used before. So despite what Alfred said about this new layer of armor, like this thing has already seen some damage. Yeah, somehow. So. Again, I think he was working on the tactical suit. He was working on the tactical suit. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. I'm glad we did that. I'm glad we got there. Um, <laughs> do you guys have any closing notes for minute 123? I'm good. Good to go. All righty, guys. We're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minute and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on a DC Cinematic Minute.